is my good friend and Craig Heist's good friend. And, God, it's got to be close to 35 to 40 years we've known you, Rick Vaughn. Rick, how are you? How are you guys? How long have we known each other? What was your Boy, first year with the my, Orioles? Uh, I started uh, Thanksgiving week of 1984. Wow. Was so my first, six, uh, so it's 35 years. It's 35 years. Wow. Yeah, so, so you were responsible it. for the Tigers' 35 and 5 start, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome, man. I mean, just as a baseball fan, yeah, I'll never really forget was. that. So who hired you at the Orioles? Bob Brown? Yeah, Bob Brown. Uh, was the PR director then, and I, uh, you know, I, I was living over in Virginia at the time. So the first year, I had to drive that commute every day. And I, uh, when, the, when during the season, I stayed with a buddy of mine. You know, because we don't get out. You know, you don't get out of the ballpark till midnight, and you got to be back the next morning. But so for the first year, I was living in Virginia, uh, and, but loving it. You know, loving it and getting to work for an organization. It was kind of a cool time because they were still. It was still kind of a mom-and-pop operation. You know, uh, Williams, Edward Bennett Williams had bought the team, and Larry Lucchino was running it, and it was starting to kind of be a corporation, but it was still kind of a mom-and-pop for a few years, and I loved it. You know, everybody was close. It was a small group of people in the front office, and I was so lucky to work with um, Bob Brown and Phil Itzo, who had such an impact on, on my career just on how to behave you know, how you act as a, as an employee of major yeah. league baseball. And the other thing is, this is kind of uh, sad. I just, um, let's see, it was about uh, six months ago. I went to Tom Giordano's uh, funeral. Tom was the farm director sure. here and was uh, still working at 92. I think he was when mm-hmm. he passed. Uh, he was still working um, with the Braves and I met him my very first day on the job. Isn't that something? Wow. And we stayed and we stayed close. You know, we stayed pretty close all those years. Uh, we stayed pretty good friends and he lived up in Orlando. So we got together with him a lot and he was in our press box in Tampa Bay a lot. And, and he was another one. I mean, that was such a good time to be in that organization. You know, it was the end, you know, it was towards the end of the, of the really good years, yep. but it was still, it was still felt like home to me. It still felt like a great place to be and, and Memorial Stadium was a great place to grow, you know, to kind of grow up in it. So that's my career sort of grew up in that ballpark, and I have such great memories there. I now, can't tell you. Now, you credited Phil Itzo with teaching you certain things, but Bob Brown, when he hired you, was probably the gold standard of PR directors in the in the game. What What did he teach you that has stuck with you all through the years? Yeah, I, that's one of the reasons I took that job because the Orioles PR, well, well, the Orioles front office really, but the PR operation was really considered, like you said, the gold standard. And and Brownie was tough, very oh, tough. God, was um, tough. you know, he was a he, he really was. And uh, you know, I he and I were not exactly the same personality, but and he was. But what he taught me more than anything, I, I thought I knew what thoroughness was. Yeah, before I went there. And man, I didn't know anything about being thorough. <laughs> he was unbelievable. He was meticulous. He was, I mean, it was, it was, that's, that's, I think more than anything, he taught me to complete the job, which is something my, my dad used to always press on me. But I mean, just to, to be completely exact and not leave any stone unturned. And 
he just, to me, he was the greatest at that. He, he really was. And he loved the game so much. And he really understood the game. You know, he, I think he could have been a scout if he wanted to. No you know? question about it. No question about it. Uh, we're talking with Rick Vaughn, former Orioles PR director, former Tampa Bay Rays PR director, and now the uh, director of Joe Madden's foundation, Project 90. Uh, and you still work uh, very hard with Joe Madden. But I want to ask you, um, Bob Brown taught you thoroughness and being prepared for things. Couldn't have possibly prepared you for the last 10 days that you've had. The passing of the man who hired you in Tampa, Vince Namoli, and yeah. and this terrible tragedy with the young pitcher in the Tampa organization, Blake yeah. B- Blake Bivens. Your thoughts on on both situations and and how you get through these things? Yeah, um, you know, in Vince's situation, his passing was a blessing. He had gotten really ill the last four or five years. A very debilitating. Uh, injury, uh, injury, not an injury, a disease of the brain. It was mm-hmm. sort of a paralysis of, of a lobe of his brain. And it was not something that you're ever going to recover from. And it, and it was a, it was a difficult last four or five years for him. So I think a lot of us had been praying that the end would come soon because it was, it was really tough and it was, it was hard. I wouldn't have been down here if it wasn't for Vince. Yep. You know, the team wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Vince. I mean, Vince is, you know, on on Vince's statue, if they ever build one here, it should say, you know, candidly, he was the right guy to get the team. Yep. He may not have been the right guy to run it. Yep. And that was the thing, you know, he wasn't, you know, these guys that are self-made guys, they don't, you know, they, they made their money because of themselves. You know, they don't listen to people very often. And he was not good at, at trusting people. And it really, once he got life in a fishbowl of being an owner, and, you know, the other thing in his defense was, think about it, we got the team there in 95. We didn't start playing until 98. They didn't sign any uniform people until 97. So for two years, yeah. he was the persona of the team. And you know what? That's not a good thing. And if you look at what the Diamondbacks did at the same time, they came in at the same time that we did, they hired Buck Showalter. Yep. Now, Buck had just gotten the manager of the year with the Yankees, and I don't know what happened, but he you know, was out of the Yankees. They hired him, and for two years, Buck was the face of that team. When you thought of the Diamondbacks, long before they played a game, you knew Buck was going to be their manager, and he was a great face for the team. Yep. And he, he embraced the role, and it really helped him. And us, we had the owner. you know. And even if you're a good owner, people don't care about the owner. They right. want to know, you know, that's not what you want as the persona of your team. And then once things started going south and he still was the persona and we kept losing. He still remained that persona of the team. And that just wasn't a healthy uh, thing for us. And credit the Diamondbacks for doing a really, that was a great hire. You know, you couldn't have had a better hire. You got a guy who's terrific uh, image for them. No nonsense, good manager, manager of the Yankees. And then he's going to be a manager club too. And he, so he's around when you're drafting in 96 and drafting mm-hmm. in 97 and he's got a hand in that, and that was a we never, you know, that was a great coup for them, and and a, and really a, uh, a loss that we didn't follow that uh, track. So Vince was, you know, Vince was just the wrong guy to have as uh, at running the club. He, I told him a couple times. I said, you know, I gave him a list one time of ten things after about our first year, and I said, Vince, if we can just do some of these, we're mm-hmm. going to be a better franchise. And the number one thing was. Hire a president to do the day-to-day. Don't do the day-to-day yourself. But he, of course, he couldn't give up that power. And then the minor leaguer that we lost, uh, Blevins, you know, he, he had been in the system since 2014. 
And um, so all a good number of our major league players know him. Uh, we're devastated, you know, at what happened. And our farm director, uh, I couldn't say, uh, I shouldn't say our, I'm not there anymore. Yeah, but, but I Rays, know how uh, you feel. Yeah, It's hard to get that out of your yep. system. But uh, Mitch uh, Lukovic, our farm director, knew uh, knew him very well, you know, for the last six years. And uh, it was really, really tough on, on all of our guys and our uh, they did a press thing down in Montgomery because they were on the road when this happened, and then they came home. They had a day off, and then they were playing the net the following night. And um, they did a you know had an open clubhouse for the media, and the, the, the emotions down there were just pure raw. Yeah, I mean, no one could contain the way they felt for this kid. I I've never quite experienced anything. I mean, Tim Hewlett when he lost a son. Yep. Oh yeah. Uh, was never terrible. Forget that. But, but never forget that. But but the combination of what this kid lost. You really wonder how he's going to be able to, to soldier, yeah. soldier on to make his career no. seem important to him. You're right. You're right. You know, it's funny that you mentioned Tim Hewlett because I was there when that happened and yeah. Roland Heeman was the GM and I'll never ever, it was probably, I think it might be my worst day in baseball. Worst I, I, years, I would think so. You know? yeah. It was uh Roland. I'll never forget it. The team, I was not on the road. The team was in Chicago and, um, and Timmy's son was killed, struck by a car, and Roland had to make that phone call. And then, you know, Roland came down to my office, and the team, you know, Tim was flying back immediately from Chicago for this. And Roland came down, and he said, uh, let's go to the airport and pick up Tim. And, uh, mm. you know, that was a pretty courageous thing for him to yep. want to do. Yep. Yep. And then we stayed with the family the whole time. We were at the hospital with them. We were right. in the waiting room waiting for the doctor to come out and mm. – Tell us that there was, you know, the only thing they could do would be to, uh, you know, do the organ donor uh, right. card, and so it was such a horrible thing. But Roland, uh, Roland was, he was unbelievable. I mean, he was That's, like a priest, you know, in yeah. a way. Not, I mean, he just couldn't have been more caring for the player. And then, you know, that was another thing that I learned from the Orioles organization was to for, to have empathy and to have sympathy and to and to you know, be there uh, for your players and the people in the organization. That was definitely a Roland Heeman thing right there. Uh, you know, I, I just keep thinking about Blake's situation, and, and, and I think Stan brings up a very good point in that you're talking about a guy who's trying to make his way in, in, in baseball, and now you just wonder from the mindset whether or not that's going to be able to happen for him now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wonder. I wonder what. Uh, I mean, there's still so much stuff that has to, you know, that he's got to oh. try to fight through here. But I mean, I wonder at some point. Uh, my guess is, hopefully, the Rays uh, would offer him a, a job, you know, in baseball. I mean, yeah. I, I think the fact that he was in the system since 2014 probably tells you that he's probably, you know, was not a top prospect. Yeah. But he certainly has years of experience of being in in a system and and how it works and. Uh, I hope something like that happens for him. I, I, it would be way too early to even think about it, but maybe yeah. after the, you know, his life, if it ever gets to a little bit of a settling point, that maybe that might be an opportunity for him. Hope so. Uh, Rick, let me ask you this. Uh, since uh, you were gone, I think, by this time, but uh, yesterday we celebrated uh, yeah. tw- the 24th anniversary of Cal Ripken breaking Lou Gehrig's streak. And I, and I, always, I, I know you were gone by that time, but I'm, I always talk to people, and they always ask me, "What's the, what, you know, what's the best thing you've ever covered or been a part of?" And I said, "Well, that question, those two nights at Camden Yards, 
And yeah. uh, it's, it's number one, it's hard to believe it's been that long. And then number two, uh, a, a year later to the day, Eddie Murray comes back and hits his 500th home run. <laughs> I was there. I, can't, I wasn't working with the Orioles at the time, but my wife and I went to the, the uh, record-breaking game. In fact, we weren't too far from where Cal's home run landed. We were yeah. probably we were probably sixty feet away from where that ball wow. landed uh, out in the outfield, and we had a we had such a great time. And uh, was uh, that off of was that off of Sean Bosky? Yes, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I remember I remember yeah. Messina. Messina winds up well. He homered in twenty one thirty and homered in twenty one thirty one. But Messina always said he said. You know, I give up a home run to Jim Edmonds, and or I'm sorry, to, uh, who was it? Tim Salmon. Okay. He said, I give up a home run to Tim Salmon, and then all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. This is a record night. I can't lose this ball game. I better get going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, my boss, Joe Madden, was at that game. You know, he was a coach for the That's Angels. That's right. So he, yeah. He was yeah. There. yeah. <clears throat> who was yeah. managing the Angels? Was it Buck Rogers? I think he... That I, I bet right. it was. I, I bet it was right. Buck yeah, Rogers. I think that's right. I think that's right. I'll give you a little t- tidbit that you probably didn't know. On the day that Cal tied it, the, I mean, September 5th this year, uh, his son homered in a game, uh, in a playoff game. Oh, wow. and, yeah. and Cal was there at the game. Watching oh, that's that so game. cool. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. And, and then, and then um, that, same, that same night, uh, not only does, does Ryan homer, but Preston Palmero yep. comes up with a huge hit late in the game down the right field line to to drive in. Uh, I think that go ahead run anyway. I think it was. Wow, that's very cool. We're talking with Rick Vaughn, former PR director of the Baltimore Orioles and the Tampa Bay Rays, and he even goes back to when they were known as the Devil Rays. Um, Rick, we'll keep you just a couple more minutes. Uh, your thoughts on the kind of team Tampa is putting out there? This year, I mean, you got to really say when when you think about it, losing Tyler Glass now the way they did back in May, losing Blake Snell about a month ago, and it doesn't look like he's going to get back this year, and yet there they are knocking at the door of the postseason. Yeah, you know what? They have a. Here's why they're probably going to be good for a while. They have an unbelievable amount of depth at young pitching. Yep. They have, they can do what they're doing. I mean, you know, they had some injuries this year and there's no, that they also lost Chirinos, who was their number three yeah, starter, who in some ways was as consistent as any other guys. And, uh, but they have tremendous, uh, tre- tremendous depth at their pitching, uh, right now. It's, it's incredible. They, and, and, you know, they are innovative. They are creative. You know, they've really refined this thing now where they, you know, their their mantra, even with Snell, I think this year was, you know, they didn't want him going around the lineup three times. You know, right. Blake pitched a lot of five innings this year. And, um, you know, they, they really believe that. And, and um, I'll tell you why I think they're going to hold on and win the wild card. One of the wild cards is because, you know, because of the way the rules still reads where you can bring up, you know, 1,000 pitchers if you want after <laughs> September 1st, you know, it's going to change next year. But they're going to have – you're going to see them – I don't think anybody's going to want to even play them in the postseason because you're probably going to see five or six pitchers all the time. I mean, I think Glass now, they're going to limit his innings when he comes back. But you know what? He's going to start and go three innings, and then you're going to see five or six other pitchers the rest of the way. That's pretty tough, you know. It is, and, they, and these guys have got some pretty darn good young arms. And, and they've—you have to give them credit. They've done a great job 
with young pitching in there. Uh, and, and so I think they're going to be good for a while. You and know? and really you know do. what? I, I think Kevin Cash does a great job. I mean, just, no you know, piecing all that together. Uh, they were the innovators in terms of the opener, quote-unquote. And I just think he does a tremendous job uh, coordinating all of that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they had, you know, they, they sort of were forced to do something last year because, uh, you know, they just didn't – they had a, a shortage of starters last year. And they still uh, they still need to develop some more starting pitching, but they've got a lot of young arms that can come out of the pen, and all of them come in and they throw 96, 97. They don't walk anybody. They really uh, – they've done such a great job in their system, uh, you know, and, and that's the thing. And then they've added some good pieces. I mean, I, I don't know who the G, the person at the, the Pirates uh, who was responsible for trading uh, Chris Archer uh, for Glass now and for Meadows, but yeah. I wouldn't allow that guy in a ballpark anymore. And that was right. probably the, that's going to be that's that might be Milt Pappas, Frank Robbie might be the worst trade ever. This one's going to be right know, underneath that's, it. That's, because that's, you've that's got a, Meadows mm. is a terrific young player, yep. and Glass now, you know. I guess because he's tall, he's like six seven, and and some people don't like that because there's a lot of moving parts to a guy that big, and there's a lot of things that can go wrong, you know, when the guy's that big, and and but you know what, he's he's got an electric arm, and Meadows is unbelievable. I mean, he's going to hit thirty home runs, he's going to hit two eighty or two ninety, going to drive in ninety runs, and he missed a couple weeks, so. He's uh, like I said. Whoever was responsible for that trade on the pirate side, <laughs> I, I love Chris Archer, and he's a friend of mine. But what they gave up was uh, that was ridiculous. Well, now wait a minute. You you you, you pitched, and you're a pretty tall guy. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, there I'm a good example that doesn't really work all that well. <laughs> you, know, you know, with Chris Archer, by the way, I think what happened they got. They got so enamored with how great Ray Searage is with veteran pitchers right. that yeah. they may have thought, you know what, we, we got a chance to get a really special veteran pitcher and make him yeah. better, and it just hasn't happened. It's uh, unusual. Hey, yeah, Rick, he's, I mean, Arch has got great stuff. Yeah. He, he really does. He just, you know, he just hasn't been consistent for them, and he really, you know, and, and I love Arch. I mean, he's a good person, and he I consider him a friend, but. You know, he just hasn't. You know, he just hasn't become the pitcher that he could be. You know, and and he's still young. He he still could do that, but he still, you know, he still hasn't gotten there yet. You know, and that's a shame. Hey, you're you're a great PR guy, so I know you'll handle this with a plum. If there are three options with your friend Joe Madden in Chicago, that somehow a the Cubs re-sign him for three years, b they decide to not bring him back, or c they want him back, and he decides to go elsewhere. How do you think that will play out? <laughs> That's a great question, Stan. It really is, you know. And you can say, I, you know what? I'll let Joe Madden speak. Well, no, that. I won't say that. I mean, I, look, I don't like to pry unless with his yeah. business on stuff like that, unless he offers it up, and, and and he does. We're good friends. We worked together since two thousand and six. Right. So you know, he. I know this. He loves. Chicago. He loves the city. Mm-hmm. He loves the spotlight that comes with managing the Cubs. He, he embraces all of that. He loves his support staff there. Um, he loves it. He loves it all. I yep. mean, it's such a great city. Um, do I think that this situation this year has hurt him mm-hmm. uh, psychologically? A little bit. And mm-hmm. Joe doesn't let much bother him. The thing that, that's the best thing about Joe is that Joe, at least for me, was always an energy source. If I was not feeling right or I... 
if I was around Joe for 15 minutes, I I don't I would leave and I was in a better mood. I just felt better about myself or whatever the situation. And so Joe Joe's always going to have he's always going to be an energy source. He's always going to rise above anything like that. That's what his strength is. That's what Joe's strength is. His positivity and not, you know, and really p- getting people to buy into that positivity. That's his strength. But I think he is hurt by this. Yeah. Um, I think if, 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 if you're asking me, I think what he would like to have happen, of course, is to stay. Okay. That I think he wants to stay. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to. And you know what? I mean, if they, they've, they've just been so inconsistent, especially on their offense, you know, they just haven't, they can't put these guys. Now, Baez is out longer, so yeah. it's going to be a tough uh, row here. I think they're going to make the wild card. I don't know about the division, but. We'll see what happens. I mean, right. uh, I would think the fact that they haven't offered him a contract, they're kind of saying, you know, uh, you know, hey, this has got to improve or you're not here. Yeah. We're going to make a change. And last year they got knocked off, you know, right in the that, first uh, game that, there. So That led me to my, my C, which was he just sort of is feeling like, you know what, I, I should be appreciated more here and I'll just choose where I want to manage again. And well, I'll tell you this. Yeah. I'll tell, and that's and that's you know that's a, those three options are exactly what is out there for him. Yeah. And I will tell you this: he's he knows he does a good job. I mean, he knows he's a good manager. He's not you know he's not blind to this stuff. He knows he's going to have options to continue to manage. Mm-hmm. So you know, if it comes to that, then you know yeah. I you know I think he as much as he wants to stay there, he would embrace a change. I he he definitely would. You know, he would. And there's going to be some opportunities because, you know, Joe's really good at changing cultures, you know, uh, at changing yeah. the culture of a clubhouse of getting people to have fun. You know, Joe's a big believer in, you know, right now it's either, you know, most of most most of the clubs are all about analytics. Joe is a you know, here's something people don't realize. Joe was into analytics before people realized it. Mm-hmm. You know, he, and this was back when he was doing stuff with the Angels minor league system. So he embraces it, but he isn't 100% analytics. He still believes in the heartbeat. You know, he still wants to be able to to take, uh, you know, how a guy's feeling or what his thoughts are, whatever. He wants to add that to the equation, and I, I think that makes him pretty unique. You know, most of these teams are, you know, the Rays are very, 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 very heavy analytics, and I don't think the emotion's there much, and Joe likes to include that. So he's going to put his stamp on wherever he goes. He can change the culture. He can make players play better you know he puts them in a position to play better and feel better about themselves and so Rick. it's going to be very interesting to see I, I obviously want the cubs to win the world series more than anything um but if it doesn't let's see what happens you know he's going right. to be just fine and he's not worried about it at all he's very i had breakfast with him last week he's really locked in on the cubs right now so. all right rick many thanks i told you we'd have you on 15 minutes you did close to 25 Thank oh, you. Good. Thank good. you. Anytime, it was a joy. Guys. It was a joy to talk to you again. You know, you know my uh, my top one hundred things I miss about Baltimore. Both of you guys have made the top one hundred. Wow! That's, Thank uh, you. I'm honored. I was going to. Well, what made number ninety eight? We know we were hundred. And which of us was one hundred, and which was ninety nine? I, I was. I was actually one on one. Hey, Rick, we didn't even get a chance to talk about 1989 because the club just celebrated its 30th anniversary. I know. Anniversary. I, yeah, I was so that happy. It was great to, to be back, back, have here. those guys back in town. Rick, thanks yeah. very much. Appreciate All right, guys. It. Have a great weekend. All right.